Hello and welcome to the first episode of Training in Japan, the podcast that covers all things trains and travel in the land of the rising sun. My name is Karun and I'm absolutely thrilled to have you listening in. Just a quick self-introduction. I'm from Melbourne, Australia, and I've been in Japan for just over three years now. I've been pretty passionate about the trains here for some time, and in combination with the beauty Japan has to offer, I just could not pass up this opportunity to tell you all about it. Throughout this podcast, I will cover everything you need to know, train companies and routes, my top travel destinations, how to get around, and so much more. Today, I'll be going over something that uh, is crucial for anyone planning on coming to Japan sometime soon, and that is Tokyo and its metro system. Without further ado, let's begin discovering this maze of a city. Tokyo is located in the Kanto Plain on the east coast of Japan, and also happens to be the flattest and most populated area of land in the whole country. Along with Tokyo, other notable cities in this area are Chiba, Saitama, and Yokohama. What started off as just a small fishing village called Edo, which literally means bay entrance in Japanese, the greater Tokyo area now has a population of around 37 million people across a sprawling metropolis. To move everyone around, Tokyo has one of the largest and busiest railway networks in the world, with many different train companies establishing themselves and becoming part of everyday life. Speaking of which, the first subway in Japan started operation between Ueno and Osaksa in 1927 and forms part of what is now known as the Ginza Line. Since then, the system has grown to encompass 13 lines across two different companies, 285 stations and a daily ridership of over 10 million passengers. For context, New York City's population is 8.4 million people. Needless to say, this subway network is the lifeblood of Tokyo. But how do you use it? And what should you know? Number one, get yourself an IC card. What is an IC card? Well, they are going to make your life in Tokyo significantly easier. They are plastic cards that you can get at any metro station, which you can then put money onto and tap on and off at stations. Kind of like the MyKey card for those of you who live in Melbourne, or the Oyster card in London. Each railway company has their own version of an IC card, but the best part is they are universal, meaning you can actually use any IC card on every railway network, with some exceptions, of course. You can even use your card to pay for items at convenience stores or certain shops, if you ever run out of cash, that is. Number two. The system is very simple to use. Each line is color-coded alongside a letter of the English alphabet, so when reading the map, it is very easy to see what line is what. All stations have English, Korean, and Chinese language signs and maps alongside the Japanese ones. 
and the trains also have English announcements too. The only thing that you need to master on your own is knowing which line certain stations are on. But at that point, Google Maps has got your back. Number three, peak hours are not as bad as you think they are here. At least for the metro. I'll get into other railways another time. Yes, the trains do get crowded as expected, but you still have space to move around, even if it is a little bit limited. Also, I need to kind of bust the myth that there are station staff pushing people onto trains here during the peak hours. That never happens, not at least on a daily basis. I've only seen that occur during times of emergency, like a day after a large typhoon when half the trains are either delayed or cancelled. And number four, here are some key lines you need to know on the Tokyo Metro system. The first one is the Tozai line. Started construction in 1964, full operation in 1969, and it goes between Nakano and Nishifunabashi. This is the busiest metro line in Tokyo. I know because I googled it. Also, I live on that train line. And uh, this is how busy it gets. They have signs on it actively discouraging you from riding it during peak hours. That's how busy this train line can get sometimes. But a couple of stations you need to be aware of are Otamachi Station, which is connected to Tokyo Station, allowing for access to the Shinkansen or bullet train, for those who didn't know, uh, express trains, or four other metro lines. The other station is Takara no Baba Station, which is located in an area that has a lot of universities, vocational schools, and bars. So, if you're a student, you might want to check this place out. The next key line you need to know is the Yurakcho Line, which began construction in 1974 and commenced full operation in 1988 after numerous extensions, and it runs between Wakoshi and Shinkiba stations. Notable stations are Ikebukuro, an area with lots of shops, restaurants, and even a Pokemon center for all you Pokemon fans out there. Yurakcho, the line's namesake, and alongside the next station, Ginza Ichome, is part of one of the most popular shopping districts in Tokyo with many fashion stores, high-class restaurants, and much, much more. And the final metro line I'll be going over with you is the Chiyoda line, which began construction in 1969 with full operation commencing in 1979 and connects Kita Ayase to Yoyogi Urahara. Stations to take note of are Kasumigasaki, where many of the Japanese government offices are located, Omate Sando and Meiji Jingumae, or popularly known as Harajuku, offer high-class shopping in the district of Shibuya and offer great Japanese crepes for uh, anyone who's interested. Hibiya Station forms the shopping district Ginza and Ryokcho are part of and also the aforementioned Otamachi Station also is on the Chiyoda line. So now that you know a little bit about this vast subway network, let's move on to places that you can go and sightsee via this system. The first place I recommend you go and check out is Meiji Jingu, a beautiful shrine that was established in 1920 and is dedicated to the deified spirits of Emperor Meiji and his wife, Empress Shoken. The shrine is located within Yoyogi Park and takes about 5-10 minutes from the entrance through a relaxing forested section. 
The closest station is Meiji Jingu Harajuku Station on the Fukutoshin and Chiyoda subway lines. Next is the area known as Asakusa, which channels the Tokyo of old with its shopping districts and temples. The main attraction is Sensoji Temple, built in 645 AD and was unfortunately destroyed in World War II. However, it was rebuilt afterwards. To get to the temple, you need to walk through the Nakamise Shopping District, which is a large shopping street that sells everything, including traditional food, clothing, and souvenirs. It's very common to see people adorn traditional Japanese clothing and stroll through the Asakusa area, perfect on a nice summer's day. To get here, simply get off at Asakusa Station on either the Asakusa Line or the Ginza Line. Moving on to my Favorite area in Tokyo, we have Ueno, a place that has something for everyone. When I go to some museums, you have the Tokyo National Museum and the National Museum of Nature and Science, among other art galleries. Want to do some shopping? Well, there is the Ameyoko Shopping District, with many street vendors selling everything you can possibly imagine. Or do you want to just relax and take a stroll? Ueno's got you covered with the renowned Ueno Park, best visited during the cherry blossom season, located next to the station, which can be reached on the Ginza or the Hibiya lines. If you want to grab a good view, then Tokyo Skytree is the best place to go. Completed in 2012, this 634-meter building is the tallest structure in Japan, and at the time it was completed, was the second tallest in the world. Now, I won't lie, the entrance fee is a bit pricey, with one observatory costing 2,300 yen, with access to both costing you 3,400 yen. But if getting to the top is not for you, you also have Tokyo Skytree Town, a small shopping complex with great restaurants and an aquarium located at the base of the tower. You can get here on the Asakusa line or the Hanzomon line. And lastly, if you don't want to pay to see a great view, a good alternative is the Metropolitan Government Building in Shinjuku, granting free access to its observation decks. If you're lucky, you might even get a view of Fuji as well. For access, simply get off at Tochomaya Station on the Oedo Line. But before we finish up, let's discuss train etiquette in Japan. Something which is kind of serious, but not at the same time, but it's important to go over it anyway. Just note, I've broken all of these at one point or another when I first came here, unintentionally of course, so I know what reactions you may receive if you happen to do the same mistakes that I did. Something that is fairly obvious, but don't talk on your phone whilst riding the train, unless you enjoy the feeling of having random people give you dirty looks for some reason. Even with the amount of signs on the train telling you not to do it, I and many others still see a fair amount of people oblivious to this, so I feel like I need to mention it. Just don't be that person. Also, keep your phone on silent. Moving on to the next piece of etiquette, talking. It's fine, as long as you keep quiet. And while it's technically good etiquette to be quiet, on Fridays or Saturday nights, you'll see a lot of people disregard this. My advice, just gauge the carriage you're in and go from there. Next, priority seats. This is kind of a weird one. So, yes, uh, they have these seats reserved for uh, people who have disabilities or pregnancies or injuries, you know, 
the kind of stuff you would expect with priority seating. However, many people will still sit in them and will only give up the seat if the train is full or there are no other seats left. This is kind of different to in Australia where it's kind of a sin to sit in the priority seat even if no one is in your carriage. Yeah, uh, maybe that's just because in Japan people fight over seats. Literally move your feet, lose your seat is a rule on the train here. But that concludes the very first episode of Training in Japan. I certainly enjoyed it and hope you did too. Next episode, I'll be talking about JR, one of the largest railway companies here, and delve into its unique history. If you want updates on episodes, travel tips, or train news, follow the show on Twitter at Training in Japan or on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you down the line.